the year is 2006. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Salat. And this is my marvelous year. of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm comic. I'm comic. <laughs> God, I'm so tired. <laughs> you are sleepy. I just, Maybe I should have done this intro. <laughs> Zach, take off take off the sleeping cap. Wipe the little wipe the little microbes from your eyes. Did I tell you I went to the eye doctor yesterday, Zach? <clears throat> you didn't tell me. No. And I didn't tell you. I didn't I usually tell you every time I go to the eye doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh and I got in there and everything's going great. I'm getting my vision checked, I'm getting my contacts adjusted, all the usuals. And the doctor looks in the microphone and he goes, oh, That's interesting. And he pulls up a picture of the grossest looking dune sandworm. And he goes, oh You got an infestation of these in your eyelashes. I'm like, ah! What? And apparently <laughs> what? every it's like a microbe called this like, derma something. Everyone has them, or like almost everyone has them, just in certain quantities but my eyes are infested <laughs> i feel like fine body horror uh-huh. insanity uh-huh. googling worm eyelashes oh god it's like derma derma something um uh, demo well, good luck on your worm eyes <laughs> yeah i am becoming the god emperor <laughs> of worms and i'm excited about that unfortunately none of these comics really have anything to do with dune yeah so and, uh, okay, what, what are we Zach, doing I'm here com- what I'm are we your- doing out of all those new dune jokes my favorite is yeah i'm into dune too doing unto others as they will do them to me. <laughs> um cool. i'm zach your comic book god emperor i'm joined by young dave like a young despite needing to get his vision adjusted a very young striking handsome dave oh thank um, you and charlotte with this young handsome dave we have to go rescue old dave um who is who helped us defeat god i've lost the thread on this one i was i'm trying to do an agents of atlas thing i'm so what is it? oh okay. i wasn't even there's i wasn't like, even sure like which one Jimmy we were Woo's doing and yeah no there's two Dave's I and like, there's did i read the wrong comics with the guy? <laughs> no, <what's laughs> I, was, I was a little confused by some of these comics um i went to the eye doctor recently and yeah I yeah let's new, do eye doctors i got new glasses coming and i got somewhat bold glasses like somewhat bold frames Ooh. i'd say okay uh, and I ordered them, and it takes a couple of weeks to come in. And I was so excited about the glasses when I picked them out. And I had Rose there. She, like, helped me, like, confirm that I'm not crazy that these, like, work for me. Uh-huh. And then... Like, looks-wise, you mean? Yeah, yeah, right. Because, you yeah. know, like, it's, it's hard to tell in yourself sometimes. Like, you, yeah. you want a second opinion. Um, especially if you're going for something a little, like, you know, spicier than Putting normal yourself things. out there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and every day since the day after I ordered them... I have been like, 
oh my god, what did I do? Why did I get some, <laughs> why did I get such ostentatious frames? They're gonna look terrible. I spent three hundred dollars on these glasses, and they're gonna just look ridiculous. And uh, so now I'm, I've just been waiting for them to show up uh, to confirm <laughs> that I was insane. But yeah, I keep telling Rose, and she's like, no, they looked fine. I'm like, I don't, I don't believe you. I look you forward also... to seeing these one day. I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, it it was a bold choice of you to just uh, buy a Scott Summers Cyclops visor as your new glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it works for you, it works. I want everyone to know I'm a big comics fan. I got I got frames that look like an Apple Vision Pro, but they're just it's just one big piece of glass. Uh, uh, my vision. Uh huh. Yeah. I yeah. Just, those, those people are so cool. <laughs> You're like Rose. The Rose, how do these look? Meanwhile, she is an avatar of herself with like a giant <laughs> club with spikes on it. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking to Jake Gyllenhaal, my best friend, who's telling me these glasses look great. On yeah. <laughs> yeah. So does Jake these days. I just saw a video of him getting punched in the stomach for roadhouse training. He's oh, uh, he's doing that's, well. That's... He's doing well for himself. Very cut. Very fit. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, com- Very fit. Can Your I... YouTube history seems insane. <laughs> it, it's a mess, Charlotte. It's a mess. <laughs> All right. Can I, can I, this uh... is my marvelous year. Should we introduce podcast? What do you think? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. We got a big variety episode, especially because we had a bunch of listener issues added. Seven different issues over three series. I, I just like... want to. One set one oh, in two episodes for the best like five episodes have been <laughs> listener super listener supported. Like. I yeah, think that's yeah. that's we have one more issue this year, but uh, besides that, that this is two thousand seven right now. This yeah. is probably a good time to say this. Two thousand seven is basically devoid of any patron comics recommendations, and then two thousand eight, yep. I think some start popping up again. So if you're hearing this in the moment, we will have I've set the lineup for the two thousand seven comics we're reading. But if you go to patreon.com slash mymarvelshirt, if you're already playing along there, um, you might be able to add some 2007 comics. There are opportunities. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a lot of people are backing at the $10 a month level who I don't think have ever added a comic. So, you know, reach out if you got something you want to add. Um, I just want to say, set the stage for this episode. I get the accusation leveled against me. Does Zach like comics? Does Zach uh-huh. even like comics? What does Zach yeah, do? Yeah. Why is he talking about the comics? That was a good like uh, Jim Gaffigan does someone uh you know commenting from the crowd voice oh really okay yeah yeah. he's a funny guy i like him um i get that uh accusation no i it's not that i don't like comics i only like good comics and Mm -hmm. i have exquisite Mm -hmm. taste preach right so obviously we all know this um preacher this is the Ish episode i think i have most felt like man maybe i just don't like comics <laughs> I, I i don't know if i was in a bad mood or like yeah I yeah just, i'm gonna i'm gonna try my damnedest to not just i i'm just gonna try to stay quiet unless i have something nice to say and i've got a couple oh nice boy. things to say so i'm just gonna let you two <laughs> go off here and that ba- okay off. well hang on then hang on because there is on today's episode we read yeah. the start oh, yeah. to the relaunched x factor Yep. Written by Peter David. We read New X-Men. Uh, Chris Yost and Craig Kyle take over the New X-Men with the kids. Issues 20 to 27. And then we have the patrons coming in with Sample Platter of Beyond, Agents of Atlas, and then Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Now, Zach, amongst mm. this selection, mm-hmm. I would have said X-Factor is the one that you did enjoy. And and that is the one that is historically like a pretty a really well regarded run in its in its moment. This is a spin off 
um, or, or it comes from the ashes of the Madrox five-issue miniseries, Marvel Knights miniseries, also written by Peter David, where he takes a noir approach to Jamie Madrox, a.k.a. Multiple Man. It we didn't read that, right? shockingly we? well. I don't think we did it as part of the club. I don't know why. I always recommend it. Um, I think we talked oh, no, about it, we and we talked okay. about that I recommended yeah. it, but it's not it's not on the list, I think just because of, you know, it's not super essential, and I knew we'd be doing X-Factor. Yeah. Um, if you like this, like, first issue of X-Factor, you should 100% go and read read Madrox, the, the five issues. I think hmm. fans will probably appreciate that, and it does set the scene a little bit. But, Zach, are you telling... And, and you, if memory serves, mm-hmm. you're, you're a little more of a Peter David guy even than I am. I yeah, think. I'm a little um, Peter David booster, and I really liked that yeah. X-Factor run in the 90s. You know, I, no, I, I like this one. Um, this is this is the okay. standout okay. for me. I was going to be a little surprised. I, it's, got, it's got a little... It's, hmm. We'll talk more about it, but, like, it definitely feels like it kind of has that Invincible thing where I read six issues and I'm like, yeah, but what are, like, the big stakes? And it's kind of like, well, there's, like, six things running in the background that all might coalesce at some point. But, like, uh-huh. the immediate stakes are a little, like, okay, there's another investigation agency and they're, like, they're up to something, but I'm not quite grabbed by it. But, like, the the style, the humor, the characters especially, all, like, elevate it. Um Madrox especially. Humor, I really? really like how Peter David. Humoric? Yeah, I think so. The humor lanes for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Peter. Peter up, David but... has a has a nice, healthy dad joke sensibility mm-hmm. to him, and I'll tell you what, Charlotte. I often do enjoy it. I I don't okay. bust well, a gut. I... Yeah, but, it's uh, not laugh out oh, loud, but like... bust a guts. Excuse me. Isn't that the mean... phrase? Yeah, for laughter. Is. Yeah. Listen, I, I understand that it rhymes with something that means something entirely yeah, different. I'm gonna say I I've never heard that phrase. I've heard another very similar phrase <laughs> that has a very different meaning. Is this when we talk about what happens when I get to laughing? Is this the episode where we reveal that? <laughs> I think it's funny. My intestines aren't gushing, but uh, <laughs> it is pretty funny. No, I'm not hemorrhaging from the midsection, but I'm but I'm busting a gut. I actually think um, something I like about the humor here is it's balanced by. Crap, I forgot to look it up. What's the, the artist's name here, Dave? Ryan you know? Sook is, is really good and starts off. Really good, and issues. I think uh, I think kind of the, like, like there's, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. There's no comedy in the art, necessarily. Like, no. it's not a, no, yeah. it's not like how uh, the new X-Men is written, kind of, like, big and cartoony. Like, we've seen other comedy comics with Deadpool, and, like, like it stays pretty grounded in like how it draws its characters for the most part i guess it's pretty styled Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i don't know how to put it it is stylized in some ways but it doesn't have like it doesn't feel like funny art (laughs) if that makes any sense um and i think it looks more like a marvel knights book where the yeah uh, there's an expectation of sort of maturity and and seriousness that is not that is i mean david he cannot help himself from goofiness but it's not it's not this is not like tons of yucks but i think that no, it's the not. art the way that the art is drawn kind of helps like like the jokes seem delivered a little more deadpan for me you know it doesn't feel like quite as uh, winking hammy kind of like yeah yeah like dead the, when deadpool just feels like it's playing for the cheap seats well i think bit. of even david's david's hulk stuff with um oh geez now i can't think of the artist he's on it forever but like the rick jones wedding for example like mm. there, there's a lot of like hearty har har Almost like Justice League International, that kind of blah ha ha, yeah. You know, yeah, Demati's yeah. Giffen humor, um, which which I do often find charming if it's in the in the right hands. 
Yeah, I like, I mean, I, I didn't, Charlotte, did you have a joke here or jokes here that you were like, ugh, because I didn't have any, like, groans. I don't know one. that I had groans necessarily, just like, none of it really hit for me. <laughs> like, mm. it, like I, it was stuff that, like, I can recognize that this is a joke. I just don't find it <laughs> funny. Uh, like the, just about everything, like, like, I know a joke when I see one. And this is like, a joke. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like Siren having a like Siren having a, a set a sex uh, dream about like Ewan McGregor, I think, and Liam and Liam, um, what's his name? Liam Neeson. Uh, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Yeah, like I don't know, just like I don't know if it was the rhythm of it or like cause that does that sounds like a joke that could make me laugh, but like nothing. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe, see, maybe it's just that the art doesn't carry it. I don't know. Yeah, we had different reactions. Because to me, like, that wasn't, like, a haha joke that was, like... Because I, I feel like he doesn't... Unlike a lot of people going for kind of comedy, I feel like he doesn't sabotage character in... um Or sacrifice character to get to the comedy, which, like, yeah. a lot of... Sure, uh, yeah. Like, comedy writers do. Like, Dan Slott does that quite a bit. Like, he'd rather go for the joke than, you know, like... The character sometimes um so yeah yeah i don't know it, it, well and this is i the wouldn't most call this a comedy thing we've seen from david yeah i, I mean, wouldn't call this yeah, a comedy book by far though. like it's not well no I, those early hulk issues i think are actually pretty oh yeah you're totally right and the uh and the spectacular spider-man the death of gene DeWolf. actually you're right he uh mm. oh i forgot that's him he certainly remember. has worked in that mode and will yeah. work in it is that Peter david holy hell yeah yeah it's like you almost forget it's him um but yeah those yeah. david uh those david mcfarlane hulk issues those are they're kind yeah, of bleak, yeah. dead serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're pretty word. good, and they're pretty yeah. good. So, yeah, Charlotte, well, the humor didn't work those... for you. What did you think of the? What did you think of the series? I think it's interesting. I think I'm just like, I, I don't know. There's something about Peter David's writing of some of it works for me. I think Mad Rocks really works for me. I think he's the most interesting character in. Or like he's the character that works the most for me. Layla Miller is an interesting presence. Like she's mm. just mm-hmm. yeah. Like she's really intriguing and like doesn't look like other characters from Marvel. Um, like she's kind of fresh blood here, but like otherwise, I don't know. None of the, I d- I do think it's like some of the best decimation stuff we've seen, just because it's. They feel like f- more full characters, and it's like being a mutant is not the only thing that's going on in their lives, but like it's still a big thing, and decimation is. Uh, touching them a lot, mm-hmm. um, he, he, they do feel like fully forged character, like fully fledged character in the way that, that like most of the other characters in the comics we read today didn't. <laughs> to be yeah. honest, yeah, I really like um, how he does Rain. What did you think of Rain? Because I was curious about your Rain's Rain's good so far. Like, I remember reading stuff from like farther on that like uh, is does didn't work as well for me charlotte, like, I this... pro- charlotte i promise you we're not going to get that much farther on <laughs> this <laughs> uh, this run goes for years and years and years and yeah. at a certain point it's i think it falls so off long um, yeah yeah uh but like no I, I do agree like rain is and like rain and uh strong guy uh as a duo is it, fun and then like them against police in the mutant town riots like mm-hmm. there are some like really interesting ideas and i do like this like let's be honest i do like this i think it's just it do- maybe it's just because it's the second time i read it i read it like for the first time a few years ago um hmm. 
and Peter David's style. Like it feels like I've read it before, but like not. <laughs> I have actually read it before, but like <laughs> more in a way I think of there's like. There's a reason it feels like that. <laughs> I know. It's like it feels very much like a Peter David comic, and I like I can recognize that style now, and it's not a style that I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, like just his humor don't, doesn't work for me. None that I think it's bad. It just like doesn't really work uh, mm. for me. I think. Um, uh, I think these issues are are very strong. I think what yeah. Zach said is actually probably the the thing that I focused on in these first couple selections, which is, oh, here's the here's the decimation sort of uh, character struggle yeah. that I think we've been looking for, right? I think both this and New X Men get into the specifics. <laughs> one one more, I'll get it. Say more. Uh well thought out than the others i've i've got <laughs> i i do I, i'm gonna try not to complain that much about the other comics but i have one like <laughs> wild complaint about how it talks about decimation okay New X-Men. okay yeah um, but, but both of them definitely yeah. lean into sort of the the horror of it how much it would change things i think x factor does it better than anything we've read actually but i think it is in part because they they feel less like superheroes in that uh than in new x-men yeah and i think going at decimation from like a very understandable real life point of view, which like even the I don't even I don't I don't remember what series it was, but the series that had like the quote unquote concentration camp around the Xavier Institute, like yeah, is the one ninety eight maybe, the, yeah the one ninety eight. I feel like that goes beyond a normal experience enough with the Sentinel stuff, with like really going into like kind of sci-fi superhero stuff this is very much like more grounded and i think that helps it and it's the most grounded of the <clears throat> decimation series of all the comics we've seen i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, i think he, he gets into specifics i think which yeah, also helps yeah, right yeah. like and specifics that like i like that you know rickert rickert is that his name richter <laughs> richter um who's rickert I think he's the the youngest son from Game of Thrones. <laughs> the, the youngest <laughs> Stark. Yeah. Okay. Um, he uh, like he's at the beginning. He's about to commit suicide because he's lost his powers and he feels you know like he's lost his connection with who he is and it's like such a core part of his identity. Um, but like other people view it as a blessing. You get the stuff with like Mutant Town and like the people who have risen up to like form a bigotry against people who have lost their mutant powers like there's a lot of like specific like and and not the kind of like immediate obvious thing you would do with decimation i feel like the sentinel stuff and the concentration camp thing seem a little like yeah that's where you would go with this but like like i like that just you know there's some people who are like thrilled that they lost their powers and some people who are suicidal over it in the the same way and like people are processing it differently and he gets gets at that i I do i really like rain trying to talk down um rick because wait rick rick rickard what's his name richter, richter. like the richter scale because he has like earth's he has oh, earthquake thank powers. you thank you yeah. that will help okay richter um by being like if you jump off this building that's a mortal sin you will go straight to hell and then the the whole thing about japan uh i i like her as like that kind of sticks with her like <clears throat> religious background but also she's not like uh like a naive Sometimes she can be written as, like, a naive little girl. I kind of like her being, like, slightly worldlier, but, you know. It's a really good cast. 
<clears throat> I think yeah, you know a, one really of X Factor's biggest yeah. strengths is the casting for sure. I mean, because David has he did solid work with with Jamie in the original X Factor. I really like what he did with Madrox in the original. That's like one of the yeah things. Yeah, because like, like that, he's not him a character you you think about right yeah, before yeah, yeah, before totally. that run. Um, especially the early, is it Larry Stroman? I think is the artist that I really like. Yes, uh, he, yes, yeah. He makes Strong Guy kind of the hero of that book, right? Like he's the he's the comedy, he's the charm. So you got both of them, but then you have Madrox. You're you're leaning heavy into the noir, where of the of a detective agency within. Again, I think to your point of specificity, like within Mutant Town, we are in a particular neighborhood with its own history of being populated by a gazillion mutants and now having most of them decimated right so like there's a yeah there's a particular scene and and it's grounded and it feels like a neighborhood of a of a real city as opposed to you know kind of that like well i i do not relate to time spent in um one man's mansion (laughs) like you know this is just a neighborhood uh, yeah, the, it's but the nice casting. to have a a point of view of this mission that isn't like the core family of X Men, right? Yeah. Which like most of what we've seen so far has been that has been like in the Xavier Mansion, in like the Cyclops Emma school. Like even Quicksilver is like in human family, like big uh, superhero politics. This is like a band of people from like a random neighborhood in New York. Uh, I think it's in New York. Um, yeah. Like it, it feels small scale and like more dissociated with the pure superhero stuff, which helps it have like specificity that we can relate to uh, easier and like yeah feel fresher by being less of a pure superhero thing. It's like no, it's noir, so more thriller and like more focused on the like individual reactions of the characters to it. Yeah, and it's not. It's not nearly as heavy noir as it progresses. I mean, the five-issue mini that leads into this is David trying on double indemnity for size. You know, he's he's in the Raymond Chandler, you know, not that he's really going to operate on that level, but, like, you know, the, that's the inspiration, right, is clearly, like, let me try to work within this. That creeps into here. Mostly it's just that it's a detective agency, you know? Like, mostly it's still... Because it's... It increasingly is less like I think about the investigation, and there, and there's a certain little element of mystery in the beginning where they're like, oh, you know, how did everyone get decimated? It's like I don't. That's not interesting to me for them to find that answer. I guess because the dramatic irony is readers know that from House of M, right? Yeah, it's not yeah, an especially yeah, yeah. interesting reveal. Um, but I do like just seeing this unit try to work within Mutant Town and explore other things. Uh, you bring Monet in, who's a great presence here. Rain, like you said. And I every, swore. you know, all these characters Doesn't from... Doesn't Monet have claws? I feel like I was... She can. Okay. I was like, is this... The... Like, I think I know this mutant, but, like, I thought she had big old claws. And then this, she... this version... Seems like a flying telepath. I didn't This version will not. She's she's kind of just, like, Superman-y in this, uh, okay. in this telling. Um... But yeah, no, having her, but having these versions of these characters too, where like, oh yeah, it's a Gen X kid, or oh yeah, it's a new mutants kid, like Rain, who's, you know, super naive throughout that run. But it's like, oh, and they're growing up, right? And it's like, they're, they're becoming new people. I do feel like he has a really good, a good, at least uh, ambition to sort of figure out who these characters are, you know, and give them unique 
voices and personality, I, I think that is a strength of this. Um, Siren is maybe the most complex, I think, to read of the characters in this. Still hilarious to me, much like Banshee. And Zach, I think you made this joke originally with the original X-Men, that she just has to scream out of every room she leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still makes right. me laugh. Um, but I, I think there's a there's a lot done with Siren in the first six issues, and a lot of it is is complex. And I don't know that her character works especially well. Um, you have you have kind of a kill your gaze moment in the first like five pages. Yeah, real strange. <laughs> so that that's immediately a little off putting. I, I, maybe well, ma- maybe I, I massively off putting. Maybe push on back reading. on that a little. I mean. Usually, kill your gaze is like the 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 whole structure of why that exists is that like a piece of media built backs itself into a corner by like promising a gay relationship or by even having a gay relationship happen and needing to end it to like appease you know like the more conservative it's the, the or to like Tara not... and Buffy maybe yeah thing, yeah some right? something where it's like a long term thing where they're like well we can't like. We want the credit for like you know, gay baiting you. Well, it's it's show it's so short lived here that you can't even yeah. begin to form an attachment. I'm not I'm not like burning the comics about it. I'm just saying yeah, it's there okay. and yeah. it's it's yeah. a weird start. I thought, and then you do also have Siren as the one who is beaten and tortured and very damsel and distressed in issue five. I think there's a reading of these first six issues where you could look at those things and be skeeved out you know in a way that that maybe i wouldn't i definitely wouldn't have seen upon a first reading i wonder if that's a little grosser to some readers um you know like those are the things for me like basically and it's really just around siren and then i don't know even even layla as a because layla miller's the probably the biggest uh addition to the world here, you know, David takes her from the House of M. Benda stuff where she is, you know, literally the events, what, deus ex machina, mm, kind you know, of, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and takes her and is like, how do we make this an actual person, you know, um, or even like, how do we, how do we even give her like a mutant ability while still being as kind of annoying? <laughs> like, like, I actually find her just saying, oh, I know stuff. And the patter around that, funny. Um, again, yeah. I'm not busting guts, right? We've talked about that. Um, but I am. I, it's it's kind of charming in its way. Um, and I like the, the attachments. In, that it's not annoying. It kind yeah. of feels, like, I think that's feels like it would be annoying to me, but it doesn't actually bug me. Yeah. I think that's a that's a pretty a pretty fine tightrope act mm. to pull that off, actually. Um, and again, like this is not not a character that anyone had to do anything with, right? Like, she could have could have just never been seen again. Everyone would have been like, that was weird. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think the assembling of the team works quite well. I am I do like it as kind of a hang in a detective agency book. I am not caught up in the larger mystery of it all, I have to say. That piece falls flat yeah. for me. Oh, yeah. I don't, I, just I, by the end, I'm like, the I don't know. The the guy, Trip. Yeah, well, it's like mm-hmm. the this other investigation investigative agency is working across purposes, but like to what end? I don't know, and it's not that 
appealing. I, yeah, I just really I, I really appreciate how much Peter David likes Madrox because I think he just takes a character that has been, you know, very C tier for the the entirety of Marvel history and is like, let's like really dive into this guy's powers and like at the beginning I mean I really liked in the nineties where Madrox was grappling with like losing a dupe. Right, like he, one of his duplicates was killed, and then he couldn't reabsorb him, and then he was having this like identity crisis about like, yeah, you know, if part of him died, if he was dying, like what what that means for himself, and then here, he <laughs> has his duplicates split up, and then it's kind of a Mister Sinister thing where they're like trying to decide which one is the right personality to go talk uh, Richter off the, the side of the building. <laughs> I really like that scene. I think that's a great opening scene with him. Yeah. yeah. Like they all kind of have different opinions about this. And he's like, one guy is just like, you know, uh, very anti-suicide. And he's like, all right, you're the one. And then that one shoves Richter off the building. And he's like the, the kind of impulsive version. It's like the duplicates all have different personalities. and They're all different aspects of Madrox's personality, which we've never seen before. In the past, it's always just like, yeah, it's just one guy split into a lot of different people. I think that's such an interesting idea that you could do, like... I feel like you could do your own, like, Vertigo series just focused on one dude with that, like, yeah. premise. Uh, There's so much potential. I, yeah, I hope he runs with it more, because in this six issues, besides that, like, opening issue or two, uh, it doesn't get that into it. But, um, well, yeah, it definitely hit. feels like a comic that, like... I mean, he's writing this for the next seven years. He's going to do this for a oh. long time. Um, so Like uh, ten, I think? Is it? I thought it went for like 2012 or something. But go, uh, this maybe. run goes to 2012 and then it gets rebooted through. I oh, think and, he's, and he stays on it? Wow, maybe 2015 okay. even, yeah, as part of all new. Crazy. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah, good 10 years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm curious because I, I like this. And, you know, I mean, to, uh, I, I don't know how it's going to play out, but he did win a GLAAD award for like, you know, positive portrayal of like gay and lesbian relationships in this comic. So, apparently. You know, that would be... That is often, um, I think, mocked by a yeah. queer community of comics critics that I've seen. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it would be interesting to pull the the source material that is most... It's not. It's nothing we read here. It's, I, I know what it's. No. Yeah. In yeah. reference to. I know a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It would actually be kind of interesting to like explore because I I don't I don't know exactly where that falls in the run. Um, it might be, I mean, you know, it might be a case of like, yeah, for a very mainstream Marvel book, it feels, you know, revolutionary yeah, it seems like for the rest of the world. Yeah, else, so by default, it's... It's like, we, well, fun. I mean, like we read Love and Rockets in the 80s and that, you know... I mean, yeah, very... there's nothing else in Superhero Comics, I mean. I mean, right, I think, yeah. you know, look at, yeah, exactly. look at where, like, what we're reading here in 2006 and how many men are kissing, right? So, I mean, I think there's, yeah. a, there's a representation... Yeah, especially gay saying. men. That's something. I mean, that's what's gonna come up later. That like for sure. You know, we we see some like lesbian relationships, um, but like actual, you know, male male relationships. It is are more sparse. I mean, that definitely, that definitely has progressed, um, in, in notable ways since two thousand six. I mean, I don't know. I guess it doesn't because we were teens then. You know. Mm. It doesn't feel yes. that long ago. Yeah, all of us were teens. Yep. All of us were teens. Every, every, every one of us. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, it just doesn't feel I mean, that long ago. teen. But it's like, you know, when you look at how, how media and even just looking at the comics landscape. I mean, Brokeback Mountain's in 2005. Mm-hmm. And that was like a, that was a huge deal. Charlotte, I, I bet you cannot 
quite like imagine what like like how many waves Brokeback Mountain made. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like culturally, that was like I, it was it was massive. Oh my god, it's such a good movie too. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen that, Charlotte? Have you watched that movie? I haven't seen Brokeback Mountain. It's it's worth watching. Like it's it's yeah. it's not just good because it's you know like culturally significant in the moment like it's a great movie um same same director as uh the incredible hulk or as hulk no just hulk yeah what yeah. a run that was hulk the movie he did before that it's so funny yeah crouching no crouching tiger hidden dragon into hulk into brokeback mountain oh that's incredible like, what a, what a three movie run yeah <laughs> yeah anyway angley shouts um, to angley all right let's let's move on to the next comic we read zach i've taken this one did not work for you. New X Men, no, no. number twenty to number twenty-seven. This is yeah. the reason we jump in at number twenty. Is it's a pretty heavy reset for the series. Um, so New X Men after Morrison becomes the becomes the actual kid book. You know, it becomes the book about the students. So you have these Academy X kids who are kind of getting their getting their bearings as mutants. Um, if you're a huge X head. You know, and you like characters like, let's say, Prodigy. It might be kind of interesting to you. Uh, but jumping into number 20, you have a new creative team takeover. You have Yost and Kyle, the the creative partnership that developed uh, X-23 and then brought her to comics in those miniseries. And then you have Mark Brooks doing the interiors. Um, Charlotte, have you read these before? I had, yeah. Uh, I I think I mostly, mostly read the earlier stuff. So not necessarily the Yost and Kyle stuff, but like the earlier Academy X stuff. Yeah. I think I'd read this, but, like, either I skimmed through it or it was, like, a while, while ago. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't clearly remember the story. But, like, yeah, I I was aware and I had kind of read all of these, like, Academy X, uh, Hellions versus New Mutants, uh, Emma and Cyclops and Danny Moonstar as the teachers uh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you have you have a new cast of teens under the in the mansion under the leadership of Cyclops and Emma and you know this begins with decimation right so then the the big turning point of course is now you get from the student's perspective and a reminder that yes this is a school um what it's like for all these teens to lose their powers you know and, <laughs> and then what it's also like for the teens to lose their powers so this is what I oh did not have to talk yeah, about yeah yeah what it's like is that they all turn into, like, it. the moment that they lose their powers, it's like the teachers wake up, and it's just like the room is full of, like, Daffy Ducks all, like, losing their minds. <laughs> yeah. It is so manic. They all, like, they're just like, I don't have okay. powers anymore. And then, like, one of them's, like, frantically punching a wall until his knuckles are bloody. And he's like, I can feel! I can yeah, feel yeah. the pain! And then another one's like, I still have powers! And then jumps off a roof. And yeah, then, it's so insane. Like, it's and very Looney like, Tunes. I hear you My powers saying. are gone! And then grabs somebody like, and they start to wither. I think wither. Is, it, is it that preposterous? Yeah, I kind yeah, of like totally. that on they a level of, like, insane. it's... But they would go insane, right? Like... I mean, no, yeah, it goes no. a little bit too much <laughs> over the top. I agree. Like the girl just jumping off a build a building when she knows she can't fly anymore, but like with a wide smile on her face, like that's yeah, yeah that's a bit too much. Yeah, it's like uh, they all some are of it. Drugged, the like, chaos. Yeah. I think the chaos of it works because I think like yeah, it is a chaotic, crazy situation. The details of how the chaos is portrayed. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, no, totally. I can see like everyone being like like really heightened emotions people are screaming and crying and like but yeah. like it's that they it's as if like 
<laughs> they all just stop like functioning like for like whether or not they have their powers they don't know anymore so they just start frantically trying them in like crazy ways and it's i, I mean it, i think it's really funny yes okay but it is also the hyperbole of stanley the manly <laughs> right you don't you don't do a superhero comic operating in tremendous subtlety you do the biggest most bombastic moves possible right so to have i i think the argument in terms of how you tell the story is they have had a core part <laughs> of their being suddenly stripped away mm. and i think there's an argument to be made that that would have just like incomprehensible damage done to the psyche you know um now i I think a problem with that argument is then it's like it's all like fleeting it's like well it lasts as long as this scene and then no longer (laughs) right which is which is a problem um but it's 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 hyperbole it's exaggeration absolutely i I mean mean, i'm way overselling it yeah i'm not necessarily like even being like this sucks i just thought it was really funny like it's you know i i don't think it's It's so over the top i wasn't like pulled in i didn't think it was cool or like emotional but i also kind of just thought it was mostly funny how well and yeah you know like uh like the the guy who you know can touch people and his touch is death yeah just being like i'm gonna try this on a woman's arm first (laughs) that's what i mean first test he literally is like ah my powers are gone i can finally touch you and then immediately like a teenager would do that though Maybe like, yeah, I don't think a teenager impulse, who spent his impulse. whole yeah yeah I it doesn't read that like accurate to me I I know what you're saying I can see on paper that like what you're saying is correct that like teenagers are impulsive and just do stuff but it's like every one of them <laughs> goes crazy in the exact same way um, okay here here's another thing about New X Men it really showed me that I am not up to date on my mutants. Somehow I've like lost. The oh brain. yeah, you fall <laughs> way behind. <laughs> yeah, because I read this and I was like, wow, all of these are new characters. This introduces like a dozen new characters. Well, and I looked. On... They they are mostly, they are no, mostly I... new from this new X Men so, run. Okay, well maybe from the new X Men run because I was gonna say none of them are introduced here. They've all been around. Like literally, there's not one new mutant. <laughs> so who? Yeah, so so dust. From the, dust like, is from new X Men. Yeah, and X twenty three. There's Elixir, who's from New Mutants. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this this run. Like, uh, oh no, yeah, because there's okay. So there's an Academy X is first in a New Mutants run where the like old New Mutants, especially like Wolfsbane and Danny Moonstar, are, are the head of the Academy X, and then it becomes the New X Men run that like goes from four to an issue before these issues. But, like it's New Mutants, New X Men, and then what we read. But it's like oh, yeah, you're kind right. of I'm one big continuous story with like different creative teams. I oh, do yeah, think I'm it's a little unfair all new that yeah. this creative team and this run sucks up all the oxygen, and I'm certainly tapping into that, putting it on the list. Um, but you know, those those the first 19 issues do all the heavy lifting with introducing these characters, right, and with repopulating the school. And I do think, and, like conceptually, having Danny, having Rain as teachers in the school, like there's. There's a lot of mileage to be had there. I think that's a thing we always say we like the idea of is the new mutants becoming the next gen and becoming professors and that sort of thing. And obviously you have a yeah. really short reference here in New X-Men where Emma's like, sorry, Danny, you're human now. You can't teach. It's really uh, really kind of mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cruel. you know. Yeah. 
but but that stuff is that gets overlooked all the time. So we do have to at least give it voice here. Charlotte, did you? So what did you think about this overall? Because I I was reading this and I was like, if she likes this more than X Factor, I'm gonna. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't okay. like because it kind of seems like your vibe of a comic. But then I wasn't sure if the execution would. I mean, like, just to, to give a final uh, final thing on X-Factor, I think I'm judging X-Factor more harshly because, like, it's definitely my favorite thing of the things we read today, but I think it's just, like, a better comic overall, so I'm, like, delving deeper into I, it. I know, yeah. No I, love I for Spider-Man so. Loves Mary Jane. No love. I, it's it's a very yeah. different comic. I, 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 yes. you know, I think it's a, it's a good... I'm, like, very different way of, of analyzing Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane and X-Factor by Peter David. Uh, um, but, like, for this new X-Men thing, I don't know. Uh, n- I really don't think it's... Of, like, the the kids' teenager books from, like, this time, definitely not as good as Young Avengers. I don't think it's yeah. as good as mm-hmm. Runaways. And, like, we're yeah. Positive, yeah, I know. positive on <laughs> Runaways. Rough rough um, curve, but I agree, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think... I don't think it's bad, but, like, very few of the kids, like, stick in my mind. Yeah. Uh, they all kind of blend together to me. And it didn't. It doesn't help that we haven't read their their first, uh, their first appearances. But like, yeah, they're all kind of the same, uh, and like, kind of all a holes to each other in the same way. Like, if mm. we compare this to to Clement, uh, Clement New Mutants, like, sure, the kids all have their like very dis like distinct personalities, and like. They their personalities clash often, but like in ways that are understandable and that are like specific. Here, it just kind of feel like everyone's kind of mean to everyone else by default. Um, yeah, it, it it feels like the more the more boring and bland version of that. Yeah, um, I mean, c- cynicism is like the you know the flavor of the day. For yeah this kind of comic, right? Like yeah, yeah, uh, and like you know, especially to for a teen degree books, of like yeah. being too much like x23 is being bullied by everyone including emma frost emma yeah emma hates emma's just like yeah i'm gonna psychically make her see her dead mom (laughs) which like like, is in a very like uh taking the point of view of kids and making teachers the worst people you can imagine but like that doesn't track with who Emma is. Like Emma not kicking Emma, off the former mutants like Danny Moonstar like makes sense to me. Like her doing a thing that is like seems mean but like is also like protecting them kind of. Uh it seems fine to me. But like having such an air hole to X twenty three, like no that I don't know that that tracks. That feels well, even, like just even from a, mean. No, and even from a self preservation standpoint, it's like, all right, if you're fear is X-23 is a Wolverine-esque assassin, which he is or can be, right? Um, shocking her into seeing her dead mom and sending her potentially into a murderous rage, <laughs> probably not yeah. the best approach inside this school of children you have sworn to protect. Yeah, I, I don't think this... I think even the Danny scene, it's so abrupt, you know? It's such a fast, just like, well, let's get Danny Moonstar out of here. Like, you don't, you don't get Emma rationalizing it in a way that... I suspect she could, right? In in more yeah. competent also hands. Also, choking a student <laughs> listen, at the end of one of the training scenes. Listen, every listen. teacher has wanted to do. Every teacher wants to be Emma, 
and just can't because of hey, laws and regulations and decency. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know why they do that. That's insane. It's <laughs> an insane thing to put on paper. Um, Can, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Since y'all negative Nellies yeah, need yeah, yeah. positive Dave man, yeah, the big daddy, the big optimist. I do need, I do need big daddy. Y'all need man. the big daddy in your life. Uh, let me say, I'm trying to think of something I like. Um, let, me, <laughs> let me say I have something I like about it when they go into their own little danger room which yeah. is called like the danger cave oh that's fun yeah yeah it's it's kind of fun uh, it's like they cosplaying as the the OGs yeah the X-Men and like going on like classic 80s Claremont missions you know or that are like plugged in to the, Here, uh, the here's what I like it, I remember I just wait, but I really like the, the the costumes that they go in I really like I don't remember the one guy's name uh, showing up in like Tag. Storm's uh, outfit that was really funny because uh, they keep switching outfits Yeah, um, to be the original X-Men. And I like Rockslide's comment that he has to keep being Colossus because he's only the only big, big guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Um, okay. I like bringing in William Stryker, God Loves Man Kills, Reverend of Fame. I like mm. bringing him back. I like tying him to Decimation. I like weaving in flipping Nimrod. For some future sentinel knowledge okay i don't think i like forge actually being nimrod's creator which is kind of uh teased and hinted at and then maybe that maybe that's been retconned maybe it hasn't who's who's here to say um but <laughs> yeah but like the striker stuff works and i think striker is an antagonist for the teens and for the school especially there's a real danger there's a real sense of um i don't want to say stakes because that's overused but like there's it's a real menace striker i the use that word all the time very rarely. yeah that's why i think it's overused yeah it's <laughs> very overused by zagdine <laughs> i'm talking specifically your usage yeah. Yeah. oh man because i because you know how i know it's overused zach because yeah. i think i think of making the s-t-e-a-k joke 12 yeah. times an episode and uh, and if I'm overusing that joke, then that's that's your fault, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Okay, but I like the resurrection of Striker here. Um, I think it's real menacing. It's it's listen, it's it's ham-fisted and over the top in the way 2006 comics often are. You know, by the end of the first issue, we've already got a a kid showing up with his wings amputated, and you know, on death's door, poor the, the Guthries do not fare well in the two. None of the none of the OG New Mutants do actually. This book's uh, pretty hard on them. But um, yeah, I, I think I just it, it is it was also interesting to me. It's not especially nuanced, but it was interesting to me to have the Guthrie kid sitting there and hearing Stryker and being like, "Well, if he's saying God did it, I was raised super religious in Kentucky. You know, could there be something to that? It, it's at least a different view of decimation. It's at least yeah. having it, and you know, even having like Mercury looking in the mirror, being like, "Are you effing kidding me?" Everybody loses their powers, and I want to, and I can't. You know, I think those types of perspectives are are at least um, a little different, you know, uh, for what we've been getting for Decimation. But, um, yeah, I don't – this run, I think, is has had a, kind of an outsized celebration that I don't think – Oh, this is it like measures Beloved? up to. Well, I, I think Beloved's maybe a little too strong, but it's it's quite well known. Um and I think it's uh, 
it's referenced a decent amount. Um, is why you know I kind of feel like we'll kind of got to include this. I I think it's at the time was seen as kind of the salvaging of the title and of you know like of like a, a student book within the X universe, you know. Uh, and because decimate, like the you know one of the problems with decimation is it doesn't allow you to repopulate the school. You know, like decimation lasts for as long as it lasts. You can't have a new crop of students because there's 198 mutants in the entire world. So you're kind of stuck with just these kids. Mm. Um, and I think it's often kind of seen as like, all right, well, what can we do with that? And and I like the ambition of a story with a striker, with a Nimrod, with uh, with bringing in like future timelines. I don't know. It's got some ideas, I think. But yeah, I don't I don't read this now and think, oh yeah, this is awesome. I suppose. I I'd be, I'd be curious what the club it. thinks of yeah. this one. If the club's like yeah. generally I, off. You know yeah. what I also found surprising was so Mark Brooks has done a lot of really nice covers and like promo work during the current X Men era, and never once does it look like his interiors do in New X Men. <laughs> like like oh, yeah, man yeah. has Such Mark Brooks has style. progressed. Unless this is it, unless there are two Mark Brooks. <laughs> I'm just assuming no, 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 he's the I same think person. It's, here he looks kind of like a more a cleaner Mark Bagley, if you know. Yeah, okay. You know I mean? Yeah, like, there's there's something in the face, in the way he draws like eyes and faces that is very Bagley. I don't know if like like it I, felt I like very Bagley much so like, much more. I I really don't like this this kind of American manga look. Uh, Are you giving Bagley the bag? No, I, are, yeah. are you giving yes, Bagley your yes, bag of yes. treats? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm handing Bagley a bag of treats yep. to bag on Brooks to to drown Mark Brooks in a brook. <laughs> is, is that the thing? Um, no, it's it's fine. It's just uh, I almost did a spit I mean, take on that. The the uh, the sameness that Charlotte was talking about with like the characters is not helped by the fact that they all have the same face. Like every you'll and you'll be displayed by like the nine kids will all be standing next to each other, and it's just like. Skin color and haircut is like the only difference between them. Yeah, uh, it's there, or you know, one guy's made out of rocks, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's really crowded too. You know, I mean, that might be a writing problem, but like the panels are all cr- always crowded with like eight to ten characters. You know what? All, like, you know what bothered me was right off the bat. Emma comes in, and she weighs maybe seventy-five pounds. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like she's drawn. Yeah, I just feel like it's a little thin, a little, a little like concerningly thin. Like I maybe I can maybe see, that's a take. I don't know. I can see um, if someone's just like way into mutant stuff, really hungry for mutant stuff. I could see them sinking their teeth into this. It just yeah, it didn't grab me. It's an X heads. Yeah, it, I can see it is. I, I I mean I think that's I think X Factor is the one probably of the decimation era where I would say, even if you're not here for all the X-Men stuff, you know, you're not just like on board for everything. Give this one a look. You might like, you might enjoy it just on a style level. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it it can potentially hold up there, you know? And I I do think reading these other comics does make me appreciate what X-Factor is doing, you know? Yeah. Right. Because you you see the pool of all the X-Men stuff and it's like, even if X Factor has its flaws, and certainly we can talk about them, it's like, yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. this is a stylized, really nice-looking comic. I mean, Ryan Suck's good. 
that uh, that has like great character interpretations. And New X Men kind of feels like a down the middle comic that we read ten years ago, maybe like a late nineties version of this. Like it doesn't feel like it's breaking new ground either. Um, There there are characters I like. I mean, I like Elixir. I I kind of like like that X twenty three gets something to do compared to yeah. It's uh, Charlotte. We got a lot of pushback for continuity. We didn't really. We got a lot of pushback for not liking that x-23 origin surprisingly really People seem to like it yeah it's just like she's barely a character i think it's pretty well book. regarded general i mean it's i think crazy. the yos kyle I think stuff from a... this era is is you know people tend to like it like this i wouldn't be like this is bad i think that origin of x-23 is trash um but uh but she gets to be a character here so like i appreciate her it must being... not have been on that episode because i don't you weren't i, I uh, wouldn't call it, it trash just, uh, yeah uh, but you, you really disliked it yeah yeah i think it's really bad um okay. But because she's not a character, she's silent through the whole thing. She's just like a, you know, a, a object to be like tossed around in the background while we get mostly villain stuff. Anyway. Well, isn't that, that kind right? of the point? Um, yeah, I did. But you, you can still do that with. Never mind. Dave, go, go listen to the episode. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know what I have been yourself. doing, actually? So I, I listen, I could say something mean there. But what yeah. I actually what yeah. I'll do instead say is say nice. what? Say something nice. Yeah. <laughs> say something nice. Uh, no, me. when I when I go on runs now, mm-hmm. which is rarer and rarer, because boy are these old knees hurting from playing basketball so much. Listen, I'm shooting like seventy percent from three. I have never been hotter from behind the arc. But when I go on runs now, I will queue up episodes I missed with just the two of you. And it mm. always makes me smile. Always oh. makes me smile. Um like without fail. I'll I'll be just having a time with my pals. Uh, and the same oh, with yeah. extra issues. Same with extra issues. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's very nice of you. Yeah. You, you two are good at this. Oh, thanks. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you too. <laughs> oh, thank nice. you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking mm. of people who are good at this, mm. let's talk about a Dwayne McDuffie written comic supplied by Patreon backer Jacob. Jacob had two sample platters. Uh, Jakob, but yeah. Jakob. Mm. Okay. But uh, here, here's a, a really extremely, extremely hot take. I think I, I don't think I like Dwayne McDuffie. I don't think I. Whoa! Whoa. I don't think I read you a Marvel. You can't say that based on Beyond. Come on. I mean, I, I, I am purely basing this off of Marvel because uh, we. I have not read his. Yeah, DVD that's work. you can't you can't form an opinion on McDuffie off of just his Marvel. We've movie. read like three things from him. Uh, you were more out on Deathlock than I am for sure. I, I think Deathlock is kind oh, of Damage Control. I liked a lot no, more than yeah. you too. Yeah, Damage Control. I don't think is very good. Deathlock is kind of a mess, uh, and this I think is fine, but not doing anything special. Like I wouldn't be like this is a notable creator on this comic. Um, okay. Well, let's, here, let's here's, be wait. Clear. Here's the one thing I've, I like about it. Uh, uh-huh. Medusa spanks Venom like forty <laughs> times, and it's pretty funny. That scene, yeah, that scene that. of Venom, and especially the art. The art's really good here. I really like the the art of this comic and the way that it draws Venom like popping. You know, like the the symbiote is jumping all over the place as it's getting like whipped by her hair. And this uh, is Matt Gargan Venom, who maybe we've referenced, maybe we haven't. Matt Gargan, the former Scorpion, is now in the Venom symbiote. That happens in the 2004 Spectacular Spider-Man or something like that. Um, so it's semi-recent. Charlotte, before we address some respect, RIP, to Dwayne McDuffie, uh, what did you think of Beyond and Zach's preposterous reading mm. 
of a master of his craft, Dorian McDuffie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually think I've read. I think I read Damage Control. I don't know if I read any other Dwayne McDuffie uh, comics. So, mm-hmm. not forming any opinion on the writer himself. This is bad. <laughs> okay, so you, really you did bad. not enjoy this. Oh boy, it's like so. It's bec- the first issue starts with like a group of like known characters, uh, Medusa, Spider-Man, Venom, and like Rendos, like Gravity, who is this guy who like apparently he's had comics before this. I thought he was created just for Beyond, um, and then like Craven's. I don't know, cousin, son, uh, who knows, but like Craven's uh, <laughs> cringe uh, <laughs> version. <laughs> Craven's so, cringe fail son. Yeah. So this is this is yeah. definitely his cringe fail son, right? It's not. Yeah. Because I think you know, Craven is Sergey is dead. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's like, like this guy is like a not reality TV, but like a Hollywood actor who's like yeah, yeah. also Craven. I, I, who knows? So, because it's um, the funniest thing in the world if you come to this and you're like, oh, Craven just has. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> at he's first the worst I fashion. was like, is this an alt universe thing? Yeah, yeah. Is this, I don't know. And so I like, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop for the whole thing. Like, okay, this is going to, they're faking us out. It's going to become good. It's going to become like, uh, it, there's going to be something about it that is strange and like more yeah. than meets the eye. No, it's just like, they're all it's just Secret Wars, but worse. Um, <laughs> which is like yeah. an insane yeah. thing. Like I, like, I knew nothing about this series. From the title, like, like, I guess it had something to do with the Beyonder, um, but, like, nothing more than that. Okay. But it's literally just Secret Wars, but worse, right? Like, there's nothing more to it. <laughs> so, all right, let me let me give Jakob a little backing here. I believe... Yeah, I, I don't hate this. I believe Jakob submitted <laughs> this saying yeah. it was the first Marvel comic he ever read, maybe? Um... I thought I saw that somewhere. Sorry, Jacob. <laughs> You're just fan, <laughs> writing fan fiction here. I don't so know. So it is funny to me that someone could use their power, their patron power, to be <laughs> oh, like... Oh, yeah, he said, I, it was the first thing I read in Marvel Unlimited in, tw- in, like, 2007, and I read it simply because Spider-Man was on the cover. <laughs> yes. Okay. So okay. it's funny to me to be like, everyone share my experience. No, th- <laughs> We have no idea if Jakob loved it. <laughs> if Jakob thought, oh, comics could be much better, we don't know. But putting it on the list makes us makes us address that. So respect to you, Jakob, for making us all read beyond. Um, Dwayne McDuffie, co-founder of Milestone, okay? You cannot judge Dwayne McDuffie no, unless you're talking fair. about I'm, Milestone comics look, I, I'm in the 1990s. With, with that Eisner Award-winning... Creator, Look, the, the three man is times, respected. I just writer and producer it. for oh, animated series, Static You're Shock, very, very Justice League Unlimited, yeah. Emmy-nominated. Uh-huh. Okay, stop stop reading Dwayne Magnificent's Wikipedia. Clearly reading the Wikipedia. <laughs> All right, gave it away. Uh, no, I, there's there's a lot there that, that is to be celebrated. I mean, do you love other Dwayne McDuffie stuff? Do you love his DC work? Well, I just I just said I like, uh, I like the Marvel stuff more than you do. And he's going to do okay. a little kind of weirdo 
not weirdo, weird Fantastic Four in the sense that like it's it falls in between stuff that and people don't talk about it as much. But with Storm and um somebody, I guess I can't say yet on the team that is that is interesting. Uh, do I love any of his DC stuff? I I don't think I don't think outside of Milestone, McDuffie like. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. Excelled in comics yeah, not, in the way you'd expect. It is silly. You know, um, because I think it. I I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's an obvious like. Oh, this is the run because I I like damage control as a concept. I think it's it's an of its era kind of thing. I think his Deathlock stuff is probably the most I like it. But it, I I do think there's a for the influence of the person, which is massive. When you actually look at the the comics that they wrote, milestone for sure, milestone. You know, outside of milestone, though, a, I'm saying it doesn't. Oh, okay. it doesn't live up to yeah. that reputation. Yeah, that's. I you don't know, think. I I need to do the deep dive of milestone for sure. Yeah, but it, but you put that in the mix, then it's then it makes sense. Um, yeah. Okay, so for beyond, I remember reading this and being excited because I love Secret Wars so much. <laughs> yeah, and really being disappointed. By this miniseries, I remember disliking it quite a bit. Um, when I reread it, I wasn't as bothered by it. I like Scott Collins' art in this a fair amount. I think there's a level of detail to it. There's a grittiness. I prefer it to like what we saw of Brooks in New X Men by by several several measures. Um, I think really? the the introduction of Gravity as the college hero had me thinking. I'd like to read Dwayne McDuffie's Invincible. I think he's got <laughs> like a pretty good feel for that. You oh know? yeah, actually, you know what? You're I'll give him credit for that. You're right. Those early scenes of like the college, yeah, uh, thing. I was like, yeah, this kind of works. Is just like college kid stuff. Uh, yeah, sure. Unfortunately, yeah, that but... gets totally subsumed by the <laughs> I think the what the if series... and Marvel playground nature of of like a new battle world that is not actually the Beyonder. Um, I mean, this whole thing is. The whole work is kind of built on twists that then are twisted into something else, you know? So, like, the first issue has the death of Spider-Man at the hands of Venom. And you kind of can just feel tonally from that moment that, like, oh, so nothing here is going to to stick or be what it seems, but not in a fun way. I don't know. There can be a mystery to that where you're like, what is really going on? And I, I just, this is kind of a whiff for me on that front. I, I would like it more, I suppose, if it leaned a little more heavily into, like, honestly just trying to sort of replicate the what we now perceive as the goofiness of 84 Secret Wars, you know? Yeah. With, like, the teams going to their camps and everyone kind of trying to, to wage against each other. Instead, it kind of just becomes, like, this weird, like, it's like a Hank Pym showcase at times, and it's not even the Beyonder doing this. It's the Stranger, and the Stranger's just mad at Earth's outsized influence in the cosmos and brings in the watch. It's just, it never lives up to, like, the scope of and the size of what it's trying to do. Um, it's really messy. It's, it's a really messy six issues. It's definitely one of those things where it's like, why why is any of this happening? You know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then it's the strange. end explanation does not, like, satisfyingly tie it up i you know what i i feel like the idea of like wow earth is this singularly 
scary planet for the rest of the galaxy to look I like at. That. Like, look how many. I, it's like an idea that I think someone could run with, but then just saying it, like saying it in like in this context, it's like one of those annoying things where you're just like, to me, it feels like just pointing out like taking something that's just baked into the core identity of marvel comics is that it's not even subtext it's just like attack on effect of building a superhero universe yeah Yeah. earth is full of superheroes it's just like and then trying to make it like a canon thing that like it's happening for a reason i think could be kind of interesting but it doesn't do like expand on that concept it just states it as if like stating it is of interest you know what i mean like yeah sure yeah so i could see like a world it's just not a book about that at all and then it yeah it pops up and it's like oh well that was maybe the interesting idea it's just kind of that thing where like where like new x-men went i don't know if it was new x-men or was whedon's x-men later went back to genosha and was like yeah what did you think happened to the wild sentinels you you all forgot about them and it was like well no like we didn't forget about them as the reader like you moved on from it so like yeah like poking at like plot holes uh mm-hmm. and then trying to turn it into like canon events that kind of what you you know i think you have to work hard to make that into something and not just like it be the reveal itself that yeah that lands i don't know I, i'm not sure if i'm making my point clear but anyway uh yeah i didn't have much this <laughs> i will give this to beyond i liked it more than agents of atlas which i was even more like what the hell is happening <laughs> oh really with agents of oh. atlas yeah, Agents of Atlas, I like my brain shut off, and I maybe in an unfair way, but I was like, I can't like this feels like you know, someone read like a lot of Tom Strong, Hellboy, and old like other things that are doing pastiches of old. I mean, that comics. makes me that makes me want to read it when you put it, yeah, in those and terms. then but then didn't like pull it off themselves, like it just feels like okay, yeah, okay. I'll just go read Tom Strong or I'll just go read Hellboy, and in this regard, it didn't. So we got it. Jeff Parker. And Leonard yeah. Kirk here on Agents of Atlas. We'll talk about the specifics here. Charlotte, what did you think of this one? I had a really good time with Agent of Atlas. Yeah. I think it's so I think part of it isn't the comic itself, but it's just that like I can tell reading this that like Al Ewing <laughs> read this at some point and was like, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. make this my whole personality. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So like I dig it on that level of like oh I can see I can see the influence I can see the 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 stuff that becomes stuff I like mm-hmm. um no I don't know it like it works better as like the superhero interactions and like the dynamics of the team work better for me than like New X Men and like every other comic we read today except for X Factor but like. Some part of me, like, liked... It's a different... It's very different, but, like, I think I liked Agent of Atlas as much as X-Factor. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I like it conceptually a lot. Um, yeah. I think it, it is that... Yeah, there's big Al Ewing energy from the modern... It's, it's yeah. that thing of looking at Marvel history and saying, you know what nobody talks about anymore? is the pre-Stanley Kirby Atlas days of yellow peril villains. <laughs> I just realized that's why it's Agent of Atlas, because it was Atlas Comics. Atlas then. Comics. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is one of those things where it's like, well, 
maybe there's a reason nobody, nobody talks about those comics. <laughs> I, it, which is an argument. Um, I kind of like it as an attempted reclamation project, you know, through a modern yeah. lens. I think, I don't know that yet. Because, okay, so this book, Agents of Atlas, is about, there's a 1950s, it, it says there's like a secret 50s team of, of kind of heroes and espionage that were, you know, in the yellow peril taking on this villain who was known at the time as the Yellow Claw, who's like, you know, a Fu Manchu Mandarin, kind of from that, you know, really racist view of like Asian villains, right? And uh, you have Jimmy Woo as your Asian-American S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. You have Gorilla Man. You have Marvel Boy, different one. No, not that one, a different one. You have a, you have a robot. <laughs> you have Venus, who's like this goddess. Okay, so it's like, it's like okay, there was this okay, mystery here's team one thing. in here's the Here's one 50s. thing I like about this comic. That's, yeah. that's a big, that's a big, that's a big lady. <laughs> she gets really big. She does get really. Did big. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. See, we're finding we're finding connected tissue. Coming ground. We're finding reasons that we can all enjoy this. Um, and it's like, all right, there's this secret history, and here we are in the modern day, and we got to get the team back together somehow. Got to get the team back together somehow. Uh, the yellow claw is back, but we're going to salvage that racist history because we are going to call him the golden claw now. <laughs> so, is, so something like that is that alone. And, and also, you know, Jeff Parker's like, we are going, like, I don't know. There wasn't a demand necessarily to like de-racist the yellow claw from the fifties that no one was talking about. And I think agents of Atlas spends most of its time kind of doing that, you know, being like, all right, if we yeah. want to play with these stories, we have to fix the the yellow peril of the time. Mm. Um, it's not entirely dissimilar from, I think, some of the Shang-Chi Fu Manchu challenges. Yeah. Right? That they've faced. Um, being like, all right, how do we how do we keep using this IP but but in a way that doesn't make us cringe as much, you know, and mm. offend yeah. people in, in real ways. Uh, okay, so that's the scene setting. Jimmy Woo is a character that I think you know MCU heads know, right? He's in the he's in the MCU now. Uh, he is he is in Shield, like in the '60s sporadically. He's in that Godzilla '70s series that no one can ever talk about because Marvel doesn't own the Godzilla license anymore. Um, but he has a decent role there as Shield, along with Dum Dum Dugan. So he he is a Shield player. Everyone else you've never seen before in, in the Marvel Comics universe, right? This is all, even Marvel Boy, ironically. Um, yeah, I like secret histories. I like lost histories. I like bringing everyone back. I think Parker and Kirk have a real affinity, like you said, Zach, for that Tom Strong sort of pulp hero era. Um, I think it's it's too dense by half in trying to explain itself. Like this is it's it's an overly dense work, but I do think conceptually, it's it's kind of a good time. Um, I like I like Gorilla Man as our narrator. An awful lot. Zach, do you know Gorilla Man's name? Um, no. Gag? He's just Ken, 
anywhere else he'd be a tan. Oh, Is it his destiny <laughs> to be a gorilla man in Agents of Atlas Comics? It's Ken. It's, his name's Ken. <laughs> I got it. You've been <laughs> champing at the bit to sing this for so long. Been waiting for weeks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Weeks. Weeks. Did you, when you read the comic, were you being like, oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Tomorrow, it's my time to shine. <laughs> I threw down my tablet. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> honey, honey, I'm going to get to sing it. I'm going to get to sing it tomorrow. <laughs> it's time. It's time. Um, I, You know, I, I want to say, like, for this comic, I don't think I gave it a fair shot. I probably, you know, I don't want to judge it too harshly. I was not interested, but it, I, I it felt does, like I was a little uh, exhausted demand. at this point. And yeah. it's so dense. Oh, my God. And I was I, I was pretty, so, like, pooped. I'm sorry, Jakob. It's not complex, but two, it's dense. I think two things I really liked about it. It's like, it is pure superhero shenanigans while also being, like, it hits that perfect balance between, like, deeply... Uh, rooted in Marvel nerd continuity, right? Because it's like, well, yeah. we're taking the 50s. But also in a way that's like, I've never read those comics. And like, I totally enjoyed this without having to have read those. Yeah. Um, so I think like, that's a great balance. It strikes being like, it just, it is like very, it feels very fresh because it is a part of the Marvel universe that like, we don't really see in other comics because we're like kind of left behind in the 50s. Um, so it it does feel somewhat fresh, and it did also feel like I don't know it it, it I think it's like one of the shield scented uh, comics that like works the best for me just because it doesn't feel I'm not a big spy uh, gal. You're not a big spy. Um, <laughs> big spy gal. <laughs> uh, but like it's not it's not a, one of my favorite genres to to play in like spy thrillers and stuff. Um, like That's I've exactly been... what a spy would say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I am from the, the French Bureau of Investigation. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I'm, I, that's that's not something that works really well for me usually. So like S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, comics in Marvel can usually feel like kind of boring to me. Like outside of expect- exceptions like um, 60s Nick Fury is like very stylistically interesting. Uh, but this like hits a balance between superhero and spice st- stuff, and like I don't know, the team is fun. Gorilla Man as like the Ben Grimm of the group uh, works really well. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the Uranian, like uh, I think he's still Marvel Boy at this point, being like once in a while you reminded that he's an alien. Like they're eating at the diner, and like he just like uh, pukes his uh, esophagus. How do you say that in English? Esophagus. Es- esophagus? <laughs> uh, esophagus. Eng- oh, that's kind of a really good... <laughs> Such a gross way of saying it. Esophagus uh, yeah. out of his mouth into his plate to grab his food. And like, outside of that, he's just like a normal guy. Like a sea I don't know, it's cucumber, like a yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's like, it's not like the best superhero thing I've read, like, even in a while. But like, I don't know, good series and like a corner of the modernist that like hasn't been done to death and like that's kind of refreshing yeah uh, so yeah i really liked i really like the series it's a it's a little breath of fresh air it's a little something new i think i mean zach to your kind of first point like yeah tom strong's better right like you you can get you can scratch this pulp itch in in different ways 
Um, I hate hate pulp itch. It's it's so hard to get rid of. Well, I told you about the infestation in my eyes, right? I've got got a big pulp itch. Um, (laughs) No, but like it's it is also additive to the Marvel Universe because it also says, okay, let's reclaim this and modernize and have some good, clean superhero fun with it. And now that's kind of available. It also does, you know, de-age and re reinstill uh, Jimmy Woo in a way that makes him usable again. Um, I mean, by the end of this, you know, spoilers, but it makes him the head of the Atlas Foundation. So it, it kind of like, it positions this uh, this claw and all this yellow peril as part of like a much grander, larger <clears throat> supernatural thing, you know, that that does, I don't know, it at least has, it clearly suggests there can be more story here, right? And that these characters can be utilized in other semi-interesting ways. So, yeah, I, I like Agents of Atlas. I don't think it's like a Stone Cold classic, but it's, it's a little underrated. Oh, yeah. I, if it was not so dense, I, you know, I think there's a yeah. there's a 10 years later version of this that I bet Jeff Parker himself would write um, that would go down a lot smoother. Well, didn't he actually write a 10 years later version of this? Isn't there like a... a, a... <laughs> Greg, Greg Pak takes over the modern oh, Agents Pock. of Atlas, uh, but, there, but there are follow-ups from Parker, um, yeah. who I, I think... I think is doing a pretty interesting image series right now. Let me verify that. It, there's this book called Kill Your Darlings out from Image right now that I I, is, I read like the first uh, issue yeah. and I thought it seemed interesting. Is that part? Yeah, it's Parker and, and Bob Quinn. Um, yeah, I'm going to be giving that one a, a look. Mm. A look-see. Go more into that one. All right. So Agents of Atlas, we got two yeses. We got one. I'm going to give you a DNP. I'm going to give you a did not yeah, play on I'm that one, Zach. It feels like you didn't hold one, the uh, holy one two. Th- too sleepy uh yeah 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 i think sorry, that's fair sorry Jakob. you paid me you literally paid me money to read this and i did read it with my eyes technically but just not my brain i think <laughs> which the irony is act of you of for years saying you would have to pay me to read these comics mm-hmm. and then people do it and you're mm-hmm. you still fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> i'm still ripping them off speaking um, I, did, I did read all of this next one um terry moore it's a Terry Moore comic. That's crazy, right? What? Yeah. I'm sorry. T- right? Terry Moore? Crazy? Spider-Man loves Peter. <laughs> did you read <laughs> Did you read um Life is Strange? No, no, no. Oh, my, uh, Life is Strange. Whoa. No, nope, that's That's not it. That's the Strangers in comic Paradise. From Titan. Strangers in Paradise. Thank you. <laughs> what am I? That's a that's wild crossover. <laughs> Life is Strange, Life is strange uh, Stranger... by Terry Moore. Life is Strangers in Paradise? You could cross read, that over? I read the first issue of Volume 2, okay, which is written by Terry Moore. So I read the wrong one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but you know some what? sleep. Get some sleep. You're asleep. It was a lot head. of comics. But hey, you know, I read the whole comic. So I'm not crazy, though. Terry Moore writes Spider-Man Loves Mary no, Jane. No, this is Sean McKeever and I know, I'm just saying Miyazawa. Season 2 from 2008 oh you're just saying (laughs) season two well Well, zach tell us about your season two thoughts it's not it's not that good it's not (laughs) it's not as good as terry moore usually is Uh, it's not as good as life is stranger in paradise yeah how is how is this version because mine was cute but you know kind of forgettable um this is super cute charlotte what'd you think it's super cute and also super kind of forgettable (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, i mean it's like very much too late for me. <laughs> uh, but it's too late. 
so depressing. Man, it's just too it's late, too late, late for me. I'm too, too late, late to enjoy. Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte you are like anymore. you are like I'm 15 years younger than second. us. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm still 23. Um, oh, I'm I'm 24 actually. Um, I, it's like, I I I I forgot treating this as like, oh that that's not a 616 comic. It can be because like, uh, MJ and Peter like don't know each other as teens in 616. Um, it's like I guess it's like it's not the Ultimate Universe but like could very much be uh, an Ultimate Universe series because it's like Peter and MJ uh, as teenagers hanging out together and like wait what do you mean they don't know each other as teens in in 616 though, I guess they're like no, they're like already at yeah, college they're already in college they yeah. meet yeah they're not they? in high school together yeah Oh, I yeah, just, she, uh, she's right. I was a teen when I started college. I guess maybe I was a little, uh, but, uh, it, a little they advanced just, for my age. They're like it 15 feels here. more it's like little, Bendis <laughs> okay. Bagley, uh, yes. Bendis Bagley teenager than like Stanley John Romita teenager. Um, yeah, uh, I guess it's, it's cute. It's. I, don't, I I honestly don't know what to say about it because like it's <laughs> yeah. so much I, oh. not for me, <laughs> which like isn't quite true because like there are like comics ro- like romance comics for teens that like I can like like I feel like uh, this one we we mention like very often but um, Love is War uh, the manga is like yeah, yeah. kind of that and like I love that manga. Um, I'm gonna say it's a cottage industry in manga, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, but like, this feels more. It, it feels more like I've seen this before. There's more. There's not that much like added flavor. You feel like you've uh, seen this from Marvel, or you feel like you've seen this style of young teen romance in manga, and this is not as good. I feel like I've seen this style of of romance from other mangas done better. And I also feel like I've seen that relationship as teenagers before in Bendis and Bagley's um, Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. And, like, it is different because of the manga style and because it is focused on Mary Jane as the main character and, like, focused on their romance, uh, romance? R- romance? Uh, on their, like, relationship and not on the Spider-Man superhero side of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, like, is interesting, but also, like, I might as well just read a Roman romance. Why is that so hard to say? It's a, it's literally a French word. Uh, romance <laughs> <laughs> comic. Um, I'd yeah, rather read a feels, Greek comic. It feels like... Romance. Rom- <laughs> Go to bed. Go to bed. <laughs> it feels like love manga. That sounds like a sex thing. Uh, <laughs> You feel like a uh, romance manga, like, made mm-hmm. blend and, like, uh, normalized and by fair, the most, Marvel machine? Most romance uh, manga is pretty bland, too. But yeah, Sure, that, it's, that's it's, true. That's, 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 yeah. that's I mean, if Kaguya-sama true. wasn't so funny, I, yeah. you know, I think purely as a romance vehicle, that is, that's a harder thing to pull off. So, so I guess, I, like, the, the Spider-Man aspect added to that relationship that would could make, like, the book... More interesting, like more special in melding superhero stuff and uh, romance story. Like, mm-hmm. 
I don't know that it works enough or like that it feels special enough here. Like I said, yeah. it just feels like a more focused on romance version. Like it feels like that could be could be an issue of Ultimate Spider-Man. It's like, oh, we have one issue between two arcs that are like that is like focused on a, a cute romance story from the point of view of Mary Jane, and then we go back to uh, normal superhero story arc for the next six issues, right? Yeah. That's kind of how it feels to me. Interesting, interesting. Can I tell you a weird, uh, weird connective tissue between our our patron-backed suggestions this episode is, so I mentioned Dwayne McDuffie writing a good Gravity. Gravity, Greg Willis, a character created by Sean McKeever, writer of Spider-Man Ooh. Loves Mary Jane, mm-hmm. for a five-issue 2005 series, uh, and then promptly killed off <laughs> by McDuffie in yeah. the pages of Beyond. It's a little weird connected issue there. Charlotte, I agree with you. You know what I like about Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane? I like that it exists. I like the sure, idea yeah. of Marvel actually trying to own spaces for younger readers, spaces for different types of comics. Um, this book gets a run. This book gets a run, and that is genuinely inconceivable in today's yeah. NBA. So it's just like, there. I love that it gets 20 issues. Um, I think Takeshi Maezawa is a really good fit. Uh, this is definitely an artist who is going to get, I think, maybe a little typecast as, you know, kind of a YA individual. Um, but, like, they go on to do, to co-create Mech Cadet U with Greg Pak, which is either already in Netflix adaptation or going to be. Um, that's a really fun work. Yeah. Uh, the the comics are, are fun. I haven't actually watched the show. But uh, they do some runaway stuff. They do some Miss Marvel you know, that kind of is their lane. I think good fit artistically. I, there's, you can feel in the mid-2000s, you can feel Marvel recognizing the growth of manga for the first yeah. time, right? And they do, there's literally a Marvel manga line that we're never going to talk about because it's, it's they never, this is like kind of as close as they get to like maybe being onto something. I'd, I, I would say I haven't read this comic obviously because I read the Terry Moore version, but mm. uh, <laughs> it does feel whenever they do something like this, like they're not. It's not like they hired someone who's like I know and love romance manga, and I'm gonna you know, like, yeah, yeah, pull that it, it, it you know and like Sean McKeever is he like a teen romance guy? Well, McKeever know. is in the early 2000s. McKeever is like their young readers writer. Like he wrote Sentinel, which I know you didn't like, Zach. Um, Oh yeah, Sentinels. You know the boy and his Sentinel, which yeah, is like the, the Iron Giant, crappy Iron uh, Giant. Yeah. adaptation. And then you know I mentioned Gravity, which is like a college hero, right? And then this is the youngest of the bunch. I mean, listen, I think if you're looking at this today, what's the first thing everyone says about the announcement of the Mary Jane focused romance book written by, uh, created by two men? Right? What is the first thing <laughs> that everyone's comment is? Right? Maybe a change in perspective. Um, maybe I mean, a sign I, I that a, elsewhere. Terry, Terry Moore, at least. I don't think actually Terry Moore did a very good job. But like, I could <laughs> You're see... bringing Terry Moore so heavily into this is hilarious. Because well, it's got the comic about. I read. I mean, <laughs> I know. It's basically the same comic, I'm sure. It's a Mary Jane talking. Obviously, to her. has that rep for and, and proof of concept, right? Yes, right. That. Like, I think that makes somewhat sense that you would hire Terry Moore. I think Terry Moore doesn't do much with it, but. Uh, you know, writing the like romance interpersonal, you know, like teen drama stuff makes some I, I, some sort of listen. Sense. 
there, you had you had options, and this is what was chosen. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The book is fine. The book itself is fine. I I like it just on a. I kind I like a Marvel that is gonna take these swings, and give them a little bit of space. And and that is not the Marvel that exists in 2024, and hasn't for at least like maybe 10 years. No, not that long. That's too far. Five for sure. Um, you know, since we've been doing this podcast, essentially. So I do like that that it can they can try this, you know. And you have Nate Cosby editing here, and Cosby's an editor throughout the 2000s. I think that's an individual who had an eye for like pushing Marvel towards um, younger audiences, especially. I think Thor the Mighty Avenger is a book that that we're going to talk about later that is like beloved as like an early readers, like first Thor book kind of thing. And those are hard to come by in Marvel, you know? And I, I we can talk on variant maybe how much about like, you know, the direct market comics are, it's just, it's for older and older audiences all the time. Yeah. You know, um, and and I like the idea of a Marvel that is trying for younger readers because, like, listen, I spent I spent a decent chunk of time yesterday with my kids at the library, and you're looking at the new comics. My kid is devouring Dogman for the first time, right? Um, but you look at like some of the Marvel stuff that's in there, and like one of the new releases is it's Marvelverse, Craven the Hunter, but it's like those aren't stories for kids; they're like early Craven appearances. Like there's no there's no six to nine year old, and not no there's always someone right like maybe you could read those with your kid the early Stan and Steve stuff, you know what I mean? But you're doing like a history exercise, yeah. As they, opposed to oh this was written that. for them, yeah. um and they've outsourced their new stuff to Scholastic, you know. So it's not like it doesn't exist. There's a new Shang Chi thing by Victoria Yang, which is which is cool. Uh, anyway, I love that it's here. I love that it exists. This book is clearly not for me, but that is like that I'm so, so willing to overlook that and say, well, who's it for and is it good for them? You know, and I think in this case, it's a nice looking package that I don't think measures up to the competition it has set for itself, which is, you know, romance manga, which I think you have better options, you know? Um, Yeah, I think that covers it. We talk so long about these comics, I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, we did talk about like a lot of comics. It was, like, no, I know. Different I, I just, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you two were able to make a little more hay out of some of these because I felt very, uh, yeah. <laughs> did you feel out of the loop having read a different comic? <laughs> well, yeah, that too. <laughs> I'm sure. You know what? There's no way these comics are that dissimilar. I'm sure the volume issue probably one, not. The volume two is from a couple of years later is pretty similar. But yeah, the, probably um, not. These comics, like, were the, the worst thing for me, which is comics that I don't think are, like, actively awful or particularly good. They're just kind of, like, they, they felt... Like, they don't want to be in the middle. To, yeah, that's the, they're just the hardest to talk about. And you know what? They might not even be... Yeah, they're, they're all kind of just like, eh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I just didn't have my fire lit by um, anything except X-Factor. So I, I think we're going to have some fires lit <laughs> over the next, really, the yeah, rest of this nothing. year. Yeah, there's Honestly. nothing else yeah. this year that I don't think won't, uh, you know, uh, at least provoke some kind of strong feelings. One we got Planet other. Hulk yeah. coming up. We got Next Wave, Return of She-Hulk, Annihilation. 
Marvel Zombies, Doctor oh, yeah. Strange, oh, yeah. The Oath, and then Civil War. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gonna all, be a big finish. Very notable stuff. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. to talk about it all. I'm, I'm kind of. So I scheduled 2007. Com- uh, here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> here comes the the rant. I scheduled 2007 recently, and uh, one thing I find myself doing is I'm backloading the events. Right, like most of these years, kind of end with the big events, and part of that is like continuity ramifications. Like it's easier to kind of read the stuff that isn't tied to the events early, and then do the end of the year events at the end. Um, but I'm kind of wondering if structurally, if it would make more sense to front load those. I mean, people are more likely to listen to the first part of a year than the last part. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm kind of, I guess my question for readers would be like, would you be, would you be bothered by, you know, we read civil war first and then we, we read comics that maybe are pre civil war, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Um, throughout the rest of the year. So that that way they don't feel like they have to tiptoe around all the tie-ins maybe that too, you know, that's my only thought is like, sometimes we skip issues where we're like. We're reading everything except for the one Civil War issue of this run, you know? Like, yeah. So, like, for 2007, it's not as... Did I miss Secret Invasion? <laughs> or maybe maybe that's the next year. Maybe that's 2008. Oh, that's 2008. I got it. Okay. So, we'll have World War, World War Hulk. Maybe I moved that up. All right. I'll, think, I'll continue thinking about that. <laughs> Ch- right. Chime in with your thought. Listen, if you've listened this far... You're a part of thank the inner you. circle. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, you're a part of the Brain Trust. Sound off in the mm. My Marvelous Year exclusive Slack, which you can get access to via patreon.com slash My Marvelous Year. Thank you, Dave. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, we did it. Anything yeah, else? Yeah, we did it. No, I'm, uh, I'm jazzed about uh, talking about the rest of these comics. Uh, if, you like extra, if you like extra issues of comics... Why not listen to Extra Issues, the podcast? That Charlotte and I—that's a good one. That was just me stumbling over my words and trying to recover, <laughs> but I did a good you job. Found it, you um, found it in the yeah, end. Cut that out and put it in as like a, an ad in the middle of these. If you want to do that, <laughs> Charlotte and I are doing um, uh, another comic book reading club where we do mostly non-superhero stuff. Uh, you get six months early access over on Patreon, and uh, over on Patreon right now we're just wrapping up our coverage of Berserk, the dark fantasy manga. We're doing some Jeff Smith. Um, creator of Bone for a couple episodes, and then we're going to be moving into doing Neil Gaiman's Sandman, followed hell, by yeah. Mike Carey's hell, Lucifer, yeah. Hell, yeah. which we're all really excited to do. So, if you want to get early access to that and read along with us as we do it on Patreon, um, it's five dollars a month for that. And then, if you want to just listen in public, uh, that's available. You know, six months after we record them, they come out in the public feed. So, check out all of that. Um, we're excited. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read Beyond again. Thank you for the offer, though. (laughs) Appreciate you. (laughs) Appreciate the invite. Yep. All right. Awesome. Good work, everybody. Music for My Marvelous Year is by Disaster Piece. You can back over to Patreon.com/slash My Marvelous Year or support with a rating and review on iTunes. I'm Dave. Don't look for me. You won't find me. But I do run ComicBookHerald.com. This is My Marvelous Year. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next year. See you next year. See you next year.